G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Hello and welcome to today's 2020 podcast from the Vision Radio Network. Remember you can hear 2020 on Vision weekdays from 10am Eastern, that's 11 Australian Eastern Daylight Saving Time. As we look forward to some time off over the Easter weekend, it's a great opportunity for us to reflect on the Easter narrative and what it means for all of us as Christians. To do that, Matt Gies is joined in the studio by a friend of our ministry, the General Secretary of Queensland Churches Together, the Reverend Canon Richard Tewton. Richard, nice to have you back in the studio. Always good to be here. Well, here we are, the day before Good Friday. Uh, in some circles, it's known as Maundy Thursday. We're in the, the downward side of the week from Palm Sunday to the crucifixion. It, it's an interesting time as we reflect on that Easter narrative, isn't it? Oh, it certainly is. Aside from the name Maundy Thursday, what happens in the evening of Maundy Thursday in many traditions really does set the tone for uh, leading into Good Friday because we have observances that relate to the Last Supper Jesus had with his disciples, the walk in the Garden of Gethsemane, the arrest and subsequently the trial, um, rituals such as washing the feet at uh, Maundy Thursday services, particularly in the evening, are very important to a lot of churches, and, and a lot of people get a lot of get spiritual um, nourishment out of it as they enter into, and everyone is invited to enter into the events that um, we know so well from the Gospels. Now it's an interesting account too, because. Here we have the the gathering of the disciples and Jesus. They're celebrating the Passover. And in some traditions of churches, you have the pastor or the minister who then takes on that servant role, just like Christ did in the in the Easter narrative, and washes his disciples' feet. So you've got on a on a Thursday night, as you said, you know, spiritual nourishment, but it's from a really different angle. It is, but there's another uh, dimension to it which we've added over the years in some places, and that is not just the uh, the minister or the priest or the pastor washing the feet of, of say, 11 or 12 hand-picked people, but everyone's encouraged to watch, wash each other's feet. And that is equally important because it shows that we too share in that servant role with Jesus. And just as Jesus washed his disciples' feet, so we are prepared to wash the feet of others, uh, especially people who, who we don't know or have very little contact with but who are at, at the service and are willing to take part. It becomes very The story in the Gospels about Jesus washing the disciples' feet becomes very real when you have to kneel down, take off your shoes and socks and, um, and, and have your feet washed and then turn around and wash someone else's feet. I've taken part in a couple of the services where... You, you've come forward and your feet are washed. It's very surreal. It it feels very awkward. It is, and and it does feel awkward at times, uh, because we've come to a service in a particular form of dress, and and we're not expecting to um, take off any part of our clothing um, in order 
to be part of the ritual. And, and yet here we are being, being encouraged and invited to take off our, uh, our shoe and our sock because usually it's only one foot that gets washed. And, and, you know, the, that, that foot is then exposed to the world basically. And then it's, it's, it's carefully washed and dried by the person, uh, who's kneeling at our feet. And I think that's the hard part. People are kneeling at, before us and we kneel before others. And and yet it's very reminiscent of what Jesus did as recorded in the gospel story. So here we are at that point in the journey. We're at the night before Jesus was crucified. It's it's an important part in the Easter story. But where have we come to from here? Because it was only a few days ago we were all celebrating and, and hearing those gospel stories of Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem. Ah, yes, and that... that in itself is um you know the the whole surreal part of the of 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 the entire story people cheering Jesus arrival in Jerusalem Jesus arriving on a donkey um very symbolic of the arrival of the of, or reminiscent in in the old testament of the coming of of the of the messiah and so people are celebrating waving palm branches creating a lot of noise causing a few Roman soldiers to stand on edge about whether there will be a riot or not. And and then a few days later, uh, they're turning around saying, crucify him, crucify him, because that's what the Gospels have recorded. And, and, and yet when we look at it from our perspective, we know it's so very easy to cheer for Jesus one day and then take him for granted the next. Mm. And I think that's something which the Easter story continues to remind us about that it's as easy for us to be part of that fickleness of, of human nature as it was for the crowd so long ago. And I think that's an interesting point that we sometimes miss at Easter. We we focus a lot on Jesus' story. We focus a lot on that was them, not us. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And And we divorce ourselves from that story, yet the invitation is always there to be part of it. Because we are part of Jesus' ministry, we are part of the of of, of um, God's family through our baptism. We are really there with Jesus in that circumstance, and the temptations that Jesus felt in the wilderness—they're real enough for us as well, in our own way and in our own lives. So, yeah, for us to um, to make that distinction, to divorce ourselves sometimes, and saying, "Well, it's them over there," though that happened a long time ago, but really. It's speaking to us today and and saying to us, you know, where do I stand with Jesus? Mm. Well, as we go through the Easter weekend, we, we go through a bit of a roller coaster of emotions too as we understand and at times implant ourselves in that Easter narrative from the crucifixion through to the, the burial of Jesus and then awaiting that resurrection. But I'm still curious, and I get asked this question all the time, and I sometimes struggle on how to answer it. Why do we call it Good Friday? Yeah, why call it Good Friday? It's almost like, why do we call Maundy Thursday, Maundy Thursday, when it doesn't have much to do with what we're doing? Um, Good Friday reminds us, as a, as a title, that we can't just divorce the death of Jesus from the resurrection of Jesus. We can't have the resurrection without Jesus' death, but we can't explain Jesus' death without the resurrection. And that's why it's good. 
because it 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 shows us that that God's hand is is very much at work in that in that particular situation as as God is in every situation that Jesus has died or dies on the cross and we are preparing ourselves for the next step the the wonder of the resurrection and even though we may have experienced many easter days in our lives and Easter seasons and Good Friday services, etc., is still, a, to me anyway, a great source of wonderment that um, that God has has done this for us. That Jesus has risen from the dead, has given us eternal life, and therefore uh, it is good because we've got to take the whole story in its entirety. We can't just section it off, mm. and so it's important for Jesus to die in order for the new life to come to each and every one of us. Now, in your role as General Secretary of the, the Queensland Churches Together, you, you would probably experience a lot of different forms of the, the Easter celebration through the, the member churches of your organisation. Well, sometimes, we, well, each year we more often than not have to go through two Easters because, of course, we've got Orthodox churches as part of the membership of Queensland Churches Together. And, uh, and of course, they celebrate their Easter uh, a few weeks after uh, us in the in the Western Church, the uh, the churches that we take very much for granted, um, or that we're a part of, and and we're used to, and I'm about to say take very much for granted because some people do. Uh, the, our Easter is is coming up on the uh, on on the 31st of March, and their Easter comes a little later on, probably towards the end of April, if my memory serves me correctly. Mm. And how is it for you to experience some of those different focuses, some of those different um, experiences of the Easter narrative? Is it still very much real to you, even in those different situations? It is, because, of course, I go to my own church uh, over the Easter period. That doesn't stop me from being invited to other other celebrations. And I know the Greek Orthodox and the Coptic Orthodox churches certainly Offer a standing invitation to come, and of course that's a different ballgame when you when you enter into those because they really, really live it. I mean, you know, they yell out at the top of their lungs, "Christ is risen! He's risen indeed!" And they make noise. They do, you know, they they sound whistles, and it's all happening at one o'clock in the morning. And uh, <laughs> and and living in the suburb where I live in Brisbane, um, yeah, I'm in in the centre of a. A very big Greek Orthodox population, and of course they celebrate Easter with gusto. The whole suburb knows about it mm. at one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so it, it, each each um, church brings its own uh, response to the Easter story. Some do it um, un, not very demonstrably; others are very exuberant, mm. and and certainly and you've got all shades in between as well. Well, just finally, Richard. Uh, as we go through that Easter weekend, what would your, I guess, hope be for people as they once again hear those Easter narratives? My hope is that people listen, listen carefully, not just to the major elements of the story, but the little hidden areas that often get lost within the story. Uh, the you know the the story of the road, of the men on the road to Emmaus when Jesus joins them. That's a great story in itself, but one that often gets lost in the exuberance of everything, the the, the scepticism with, with which they greet the stranger who just happens to be Jesus, and they recognize him in a very familiar act, that of the breaking of the bread. So if we listen carefully and really 
say to ourselves, this is, this is for me. This is the good news that, that has been proclaimed ever since uh, Jesus rose from the dead and ascended into heaven and the coming of, of, the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. This is the good news, that Jesus has done this for us. God has done this for us, and that is the great hope that we all have in the promise of eternal life. Well, Richard, uh, a very blessed Easter to you and to yours, and uh, thank you so much for joining us here on Vision. I wish everyone a happy Easter as well. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts, or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.